parents and family members are now, instead of being in the driver's seat, they are in the passenger seat. And that transition to letting your student drive the car and be the hands behind the wheel, but you can still be there in the car with the map up, helping give directions and helping navigate. Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we talk about life and leadership with teens and their parents. I'm your host, Rachel, and I'm going to be interviewing a special guest today. But first, I want to remind you that we are doing a free online virtual parenting summit starting tomorrow, July the 26th. Over 20 speakers specifically focusing on getting our teens ready to launch out on their own, whether that be college, trade school, career, whatever. So if you can't watch it live, that's okay. You get 24 hours of access each day, so you can catch it later, or you can buy the all-access pass and get all the recordings for a really reasonable amount. I think it's like $21. I think about some of the money that I've spent on conferences, tons of money, plus hotel and gas. So if you think about it, that's it's a really great deal. It's going to be fun. There's going to be prizes and a community of other parents that get you, so sign up. I'll put a link in the show notes. All right, so I want to introduce our special guest for the day. We're going to be talking about practical things that we can do to get our teens that are going into college ready for that new experience and how to make that transition easier. And our special guest is one of the authors of the book College Ready, Bree Judy Waterman. She is a program coordinator in new student and family programs at the University of Colorado Boulder. Bree graduated from Kansas State University in 2017 with her Master of Science in College Student Development and from Kent State University in 2015 with her Bachelor of Arts in Communication Studies. She is a member of the AHEPP Family Engagement in Higher Education Conference Planning Committee. Welcome to our podcast, Bree. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So I read your book, the book that you and this group of other university officials collaborated on, and it is got so much great information, especially since now we have our second kiddo going off to college. I was like, man, I wish I had thought through some of this before. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. <laughs> so how did, how did you, this book come about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, super excited to hear that it's been already a little helpful for you as a parent of, you know, an incoming college student. This book, and you had it exactly right, we call it AHEPP for short, that A-H-E-P-P-P, which is a professional organization for family engagement in higher education. So it's a group of college staff professionals who work in parent and family programs offices. And oftentimes people don't even realize that there's designated offices on a lot of college campuses to support families. We often plan family weekend. If um, your student's college has a family weekend or family day, we help support family orientation and often answer a family designated email. So this organization, AHEP, um, Family Engagement in Higher Education, reached out and asked the group of 13 of us if we were interested in writing a chapter for College Ready 2021. And when I saw that email come across my inbox, I definitely jumped at the opportunity because I knew this would be a great way to take the things that we do day to day with parents and family members of college students 
and put it all in one practical place for a family to pick up and have a list of conversation starters and packing list and other checklists to work through. So a lot of credit goes to um, Chelsea Petrie, our fearless editor and manager of wrangling, you know, 13 different authors. Um, her support throughout is really kind of what got the book ready. And then also AHEP's um, executive director, Lindsay McKinney. So really the two of them um, were able to get us all together on the same page to meet our deadline and get all of our chapters in. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of uh, work on her part. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's why, you know, her name is on the front of the book and she deserves that because <laughs> editing 13 different chapters um, and putting them all together nicely packaged with a bow um, is very well deserved. Yeah, I, I like the this book because sometimes, you know, as parents, we feel like we need to have conversations, but we don't even know what the question is. So the right. book kind of like gives you an, oh, yeah, yeah, I do need to know. I do need to ask that question of my kid, you know, like I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Like, like, what are your plans? You know, how is this transition going to happen? You know? Yes. I, I didn't even think through that. You know, I didn't, the, the chapter on the last, there's going to be a lot of last times you do things. And I'm like, oh yes, there was, you know, you don't, and you uh -huh. don't, often you don't even realize it when you're in the middle of it, that, that this is going to be the last time, you know? Right, right, exactly. And being able to acknowledge some of those last, but not make the entire summer super sad either. It's that balance between both for sure. So I know back, you know, in the past, we really, really pushed college a lot more. Do you ever, do you think that every kid should go to college? That is a great question. And I would say, no, it really depends on your student and what they're interested in. I think that um, there was a time where it was, you know, every student needs to go to college. And I, of course, I work in higher education. So I want students who think that it's the right fit for them to come to college because I truly believe in the benefits of getting that degree and all of the skills that can be learned both in and out of the classroom in college. But I really would say um, as an overarching blanket statement, like should every student go to college, I would really say it depends on the student. Right. Yeah. We had a question that came to our, into our Facebook group. Cause I told them I'm, I'm going to do this podcast on getting your kid ready for college. And, and they said, here's my question. Uh, my child is a senior with a 3.0 GPA and they're still undecided what they want to study or do after high school is college in their best interest. Or should we start looking at trade schools? Um, they, they have a knack for that kind of stuff or the military. And my, one of the things that we did with a couple of our kids that I felt was so totally worth it, we did career assessments. Yes. Um, it was like $500 a kid, but it was like, it was eye-opening because I'm like, I never even would have thought of that career for this kid, you know? And once yeah. she once she met with the coach and they did all these tests and stuff, um, and she she gave her these, Hey, you might want to look at these things. And, um, our daughter looked into 
this um art therapy is what she decided on doing um we had never even thought of about art or therapy she was going to go into culinary oh wow um, and it, yeah and it was all, only after after all this talk it was all about um it was because she likes to cook but then the the career coach was like really drilling down like why what you know what do you really want to do this and it came out no really I don't want to do it I just don't know what else to do and so yeah. she pulled into like what do you really like and what are you good at and you know she's a camp counselor so obviously she likes you know that kind of therapy counseling kind of stuff so um I felt like that was like probably one of the best um decisions we made and it and you know five hundred dollars is a lot of money but if it saves you I know so many kids go into college and they have no clue what they're doing and they yeah. you know and then they change their major if it saves you from having to change your major or even one class I figured it was worth it yeah it's definitely worth it I'm really glad you brought that up and I think you know, another way is community college, taking a few classes at a local community college. And that's also, you know, a lesser financial investment than um, starting at a, um, you know, four year university. So it really just depends. And I will say more and more students are going to um, four year colleges with the open-ended exploratory major or undecided um, at the school I'm at. We even have a program in exploratory studies. So, you know, if a student really is interested in going to a university and they have the financial means to do that, there is that ability to kind of explore your first semester and your first year. Um, at a lot of colleges and universities too. So it really depends, um, but I will say that um, going into a school with the decision unmade is pretty common. And we're finding that students change their major. Um, I think at one point it was like 50% of students change their major. I don't know if that's still true. It obviously varies um, from school to school, but um, that was something that we were sharing with our parents and families too, just to normalize that it's okay if students do change their major. Um, oftentimes it doesn't add extra time on, but anything they can do beforehand like you were doing with your kids is always good to get as much exploring done beforehand as well. If they go to college and they don't really know what they're want wanting to do, like we talked about, what what services do do you guys have like on campus some kind of like like career assessment or something like that that she did to help them kind of focus onto something they might like yes we do and that's what i was going to share it will be called a different office depending on the campus but ours is the career services office or um, career service center and that is kind of the one-stop office for all things exploring careers. So they offer, you know, the strengths quest as well as other career assessments um, to match your skills and interest. And then that's also the same office you can go to for resume reviews 
and getting mock interviews when it's time to look into jobs and internship searches as well. So um, that office, and then we actually have a you know a program called the Program in Exploratory Studies um, at the University of Colorado Boulder that has additional um, additional tools for those students to really explore. That's cool. Do you find that? that uh, college age kids are hesitant to use those services, even if they have them and they need them. Do they have to get a little push? Yes. I would say that's where we really value the partnership with parents and family members for a lot of our campus resources. I would say oftentimes that's when parents and families are calling because they don't know what resources are out there. So then once we do share with them all of the amazing resources on campus, it's, you know, having them be that encouragement. And like you said, that little push, the little nudge to get their student in our door, whether it's by emailing us, setting up an appointment or doing a walk-in. That is definitely one of the challenges sometimes is getting students to the resource. Yeah, I, I know. I've got three teenagers. It's like they, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. and they probably know that they need it, but it's like they don't want to do it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so what do new college students struggle with the most? That is such a good question. And I think when I think about the first year students that I work with the most, it's kind of down to three things. It's their time management, their adjustment to the college courses in comparison to high school, so that academic transition, and then just the social transition and that managing expectations and not comparing their college experience to others. Yeah. So how do you guys help them through those, like, with those transitions? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that the time management piece really can take students that whole first semester and even into the second semester. Um, or, you know, if they're on quarters, you know, it might take them through the, the second and third quarter um, of the year. And I think a lot of that is taught in first-year seminars if your student is in a first-year seminar. And it's also something that's infused into orientation sessions as well with orientation leaders or peer leaders on campus, really encouraging students to find a way that they can manage their time. Because when you think about it, in high school, students have their block day, you know, maybe their classes start at 7.30 and then they're in class until three. They might have after school activities and then they go home and do their homework and do it again. Well, in college, the actual amount of hours there in class might only be 15 hours per week. Right. And they might have class, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 10 to noon. And then they have an afternoon class from 3 to 4.30. And so they have these new chunks of time that is this new freedom where no one's there to manage how they spend that time. So they could use it 
doing the readings and outside of coursework that they were assigned to do, or that's also an easy time to start to maybe play video games or go outside and play Frisbee with your new roommate. Um, so those things are great too and finding ways to de-stress, but I think the time management is really hard that first um, couple of months as the students transition because they just have all this new unstructured time that they didn't have before. Yeah, they, they really need to learn like how to time block. Yes, exactly. Yeah, fill yeah. in the big rocks. You've got class, of course, and then you have to like account for so many hours per class of studying. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'll be partying all the time and then... <laughs> why am I failing yes Um, I heard another person who is an academic strategist say that actually the kids who work jobs tend to make better grades and be better managers of their time because they're used to like blocking out time for you know jobs I don't know have you found that to be true I think that's a great point, and I could definitely see how that's a correlation. I think a student who's managing a job is used to that additional responsibility of scheduling out their time, and so they might find that they're scheduling time to do homework and hang out with friends and do fun things, because if not, then they know it'll all fill up with classes and work. Right. So that's a good, that was a comfort to me because I'm like, you know, a lot of parents are like, I don't know if I should let my kid work when they're in college. Maybe they should just focus on their studies. Well, this person said that if they're working, they'll get better grades. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's great. And, you know, even if that first couple of months of school, you kind of see how your student adjusts and then figure out how the job fits in. And if, you know, their grades are suffering, then adjust from there. But I think it's definitely helpful because there's probably more in their schedule then for them to be responsible for. Right. So what's the number one thing you think new college student can do to help transition easier? Yes. Oh, there's so many things that that come to mind for this question. But I think the number one thing that we are always wishing our students did to prepare is check and read their university email and actually read the emails. I think that's where, you know, we all get emails and our inbox gets super full and I'm guilty of it. You know, we know we're guilty of kind of skimming through emails, but I think that can help students really make sure they're getting things done and getting ready. And their professors are gonna be emailing them too. Um, And it's great practice for after college as well because so many um, careers and work places will require email communication as well. So that was one that came to mind. It might seem silly, but I think that that's one that will really help them and get them set up for success is just checking that email. That's interesting. I've noticed, you tell me if you see this to be true. I've noticed that a lot of teenagers these days um, rush through stuff and they don't pay close attention to details in general. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's because for so many of them, they're getting – 
you know, hundreds of notifications on their cell phones a day. And so email almost probably seems old school to them. Um, even more, you know, not as much as a paper letter, but I'm sure email seems like, oh, well, why someone sending email? But and it's yeah, so I just long. Think, <laughs> yes, right. It's so much text. There's so much to read. That's definitely what we're finding. Um, and that's why that was my number one tip is just making sure they're checking and reading their university email. And I would recommend keep that separate from personal email accounts too. Like when they start signing up for other things or like personal things, um, keep that on a personal email and don't get your university email flooded with like coupons and food deals. <laughs> that's true. Um, I've seen some of my students pull up their inbox with just like thousands of emails and I'm like, oh no, of course that's why you didn't read my email about our meeting today. You have a thousand unread emails here. Yeah. And also when they graduate, I mean, they're not going to be using that email um, afterward. So they really mm -hmm. shouldn't, shouldn't put anything personal in there because then they're just going to have to change it later. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's one of my pieces of advice to really help them get set up. And that's where they'll be communicating deadlines on when to apply for housing, when to sign up for orientation, when to register for classes. So if they're on top of their email, um, most schools are going to be sending that strict communication plan with deadlines. Right. So what one tool do you think would be really beneficial for a new student? Oh, that's a good one. I know that when it comes to that time management piece, there are so many different apps out there. And I'm sure even some of your other guests that you've had when they've talked about academics have had good um, techniques. When I taught my first year seminar class last year, we talked about the Pomodoro studying technique. Right. Are you familiar? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. When you do like 50 minutes or some people do 25, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. 25 minutes on. Five minutes off. Right. Yep. Uh-huh. Exactly. And students can kind of adjust it from there. So there are lots of different Pomodoro studying technique apps available. And I think that is so important because especially when it comes around to that first finals week, students love to try to cram everything in the night before their final. And that taking a break is so important um, just for proven to help with memory and retention um, and for their rest just so that they are getting that rest before the big test comes up too. Um, yeah, don't cram so it all in. One. Don't, don't cram yes. it all <laughs> we, right. we, we did a seminar with our, we watched a seminar with our kids and they said, um, after you go to the, don't, they said, don't take notes on your laptop, do pen and paper. Mm -hmm. And then they said, um, after class, find some time somewhere and just scan your notes and you do it like, I can't remember the increments. You like do it every so many days. You pick it back up, scan it again, you know, a week later and, and you'll remember it better than if you just wait till the last week and cram it all in. <laughs> yes, that seminar was giving great advice to your students. I think that's really helpful. And one of my students recommended this forest study app. Have you heard of this? It, no. The app 
basically helps you focus and won't have you doing anything else on your phone. And for however many minutes you do certain focus times together, it's helping plant trees. So my students were really into that because they were like, I'm, I'm, you know, helping plant trees, Brie, and I'm focusing. So I thought I would share that too, just because my students really enjoyed that one. It kind of, does it like lock your phone down so you can't do anything, but but what you're doing. Yes, that's <laughs> the way they described it to me. So I thought that was pretty cool. And they felt like they were helping plant the trees as well. Well, I mean, as an adult, I'm 46 something. I don't, I can't remember how old I am. <laughs> 40. <laughs> don't laugh. When you get to be my age, you can't remember how old you are. <laughs> no, but that's I, fair. I mean, I catch myself getting distracted so easy. It's not just them. It's, it's me too. It's like, <laughs> I've got to focus. Yes. I've got to focus. I got to shut down everything. I'm right there with you. <laughs> That's terrible. I don't know. So let's talk a little bit about letting go. So this is something that is really hard for a lot of mom and dads, especially the moms, I would think. It really needs to be a gradual process, not just one we start right before college, right? So what advice would you give to parents whose kids maybe are just beginning high school as they're looking forward to one day getting them out. <laughs> yes, I think that's so true. And we like to say that, you know, specifically in college, and I think even as you're talking this transition, high school into college, that you can think of it more as a letting grow instead of letting go, because I have found it's never possible to fully let go. Um, and if I told my mom that when I was going to college, like, you just need to let go, like she would definitely not have wanted to hear that because, you know, she wanted to be there to support me. So we always say that. And we also talk about this metaphor of really that parents and family members are now, instead of being in the driver's seat, they are in the passenger seat. And that transition to letting your student drive the car and be the hands behind the wheel, but you can still be there in the car with the map up, helping give directions and helping navigate. So I think that it really can be this gradual process um, and knowing that we really want to be partners still with the parents and family members and that they don't need to let go all at once. Right. Um, and it is important that students have a solid support system because it also shows academic success and retention from students who have stronger support systems. So, you know, all of us on college campuses, we really want parents, family members, support systems to be there for their student because that shows it's helping them with their retention. Right. And when you say be there, you don't mean I'm coming to do your laundry, but like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, yes. you have to, yeah, I see some parents and they're like, and they're like doing everything. You've got to start letting them do stuff because if you don't, when they hit college and you don't know, you don't have a clue what's going on and they're across the country, you're just, you're going to freak out. So. Yeah, exactly. And I think really I'm trying to, as much as parents can 
really empower your student to self-advocate. I know it's so much easier sometimes for us to just, you know, pick up the phone and make the call, but if the parent can just pass along the phone number or the email and encourage the student to do that and they can, you know, help be there and even sit in and that, you know, that's in one of the chapters too. Like oftentimes university officials are happy to make it a three-way call, but we would really want to, again, have that student be in the driver's seat, taking care of these responsibilities on their own um, because they're really going to be the ones needing to make the decisions and be in charge of their college experience. Right. So what's something that surprises a lot of parents? Yeah, there's, I'm sure lots of surprises that first um, semester or so, but I think one, and kind of to go off of the phone calls and parents calling the university versus the student, and in the book, it's in chapter three, and it's all about FERPA. And it can often be a shock to parents, but FERPA is the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. And that is basically once your student is 18 or once they begin at college, parents and family members don't get the same access that they're used to in a K-12 school system with you know being able to have access to grades and academic records. But in college, once that first day of classes starts, the student's information is protected by FERPA. And so oftentimes when parents do call, we can't give them the information they're looking for unless their student is on the line or if their student has given them guest access or proxy access for things. So I think that comes as a shock for families, um, especially who um, are used to getting a lot of that contact and they often say you know well hey if I'm paying the bill I should be able to see the grades yeah. <laughs> which makes you know that's totally fair but it's just that transition to their student being 18 um, and this FERPA being in place that they really need to sit down and have a conversation with their student about expectations of you know hey, I need you to set me up with guest access or can you share your grades with me? Like, what are your expectations as family, student? Um, and it's different for every family, but I think having those conversations beforehand is really important. Right. I, I can see both sides of that because I've been the parent paying, you know, like I want right. to know what's going on. But also like it's time to let your kid deal with their own issues. Like if they're not doing well in the class, they need to be talking to the professor, not you. <laughs> yes, you got it. Exactly right. Yeah. They don't appreciate it when mom and dad show up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't right, do that. Right. I just want to clarify. I never did that. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good then. <laughs> so how can parents best show support to their college students? That's um, such a good question. I think asking open-ended questions, and like you mentioned, it's sometimes hard as a parent to know, like, well, what do I ask? Or what should I be checking in on my student about? I think setting up maybe that weekly time, especially that summer leading up to college, to just check in on college things and asking, like, 
hey, what is your student's orientation look like? What is the housing application process like? You know, checking in and asking those open-ended questions just to support where they're at in the process, I think can be really beneficial just so that they know like, hey, my parent is here um, and they're asking me and kind of reminding me along the way, but I'm the one that needs to be paying attention to these deadlines and reading my email to know what's going on. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of kids, they start out, it's probably amazing to see the transformation from your view. Like they come in and they're kind of unsure and they don't know what they're doing. And then, and then they become leaders, you know, by the end of the. (laughs) Yes, really. It is very cool to see the transition. And one of my students who is one of our orientation leaders, she actually only applied for the position originally because her mom sent her the job application. Her mom saw it online and was like, hey, I think you'd be really good at this. And you know, her first year in the job, she was a little bit hesitant and unsure, you know, wasn't really sure if she wanted to continue it, I think was just giving it a try because her mom had encouraged her to apply. But by the time it was her senior year, she was such a team leader on our team of orientation leaders, really stepping up, always knew the answers to everyone's questions. Um, So it is really fun to see that transition. And sometimes we get to see it in, you know, one year or the full college experience, but it's definitely fun to watch. So the one of the main things I got from your book was communicate, 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 just communicate everything, communicate what you're expecting out of your kid, communicate what your plans are when they come home on the summer because they may have a different idea of what they're going to do than you do. You may have uh-huh. plans to go see grandma and grandpa, and they may want to be going to hang out with the friends they haven't seen all year. Communicate any changes. Mom, I got a tattoo. You might want to tell. You might want to tell me. <laughs> Anything that happens, communicate, communicate. Would you say that's the best, that's the, the most important? Yeah, Absolutely. I think that really is one of the most important things is just having that open line of communication and also creating a communication plan for once they get off to school because they might get really carried away those first couple of weeks with going to class and making new friends and joining clubs that they might forget to call home. Um, And that can cause a little bit of panic if you haven't heard from your student and you're used to talking to them every day. Um, So that's also a big tip as well is decide on your communication plan, whether that's a Snapchat a day or Sunday FaceTime, whatever it is that works for you and your family. I know I've had parents joke before that if their student's not responding to their text, they'll send a picture of the family pet, and that usually gets a response. <laughs> One of my friends, um, Nicole Walter, she she had this video that went viral. Her daughter was at college and di- wasn't responding to texts, and so her and her husband drove up there. <laughs> they videoed it, and you know, millions of people saw it because. Everyone, she posted it online, but she had posters, you know, trying to get people to rat her daughter out, you know, call me, call me if, you know, it was funny. Yes. 
<laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I'm going to have to go look for that after this. But yes, and see the students, you know, get so caught up that they they don't respond and it's easy to forget. And then, you know, parents can worry, too, of like, where's my kid? Yeah. You don't know worry like that till you've been a parent. Like, right. They might be on I the know. side of the road in a ditch. <laughs> that's where our thoughts always go. Yeah, I believe it. I'm not a parent personally, but I am an only child. So I get that from my mom and dad a lot. Um, So what's a good way? Say we've got an introverted kid. What's a what's a what's a good way for a new college student to get involved and make friends? That's such an important part of the transition, not only the academics, but that social life and making friends and For some introverts, the beginning of the school year can be overwhelming because if they look at their, you know, week of welcome or all of the be involved activities or an activities fair, that might be overwhelming because a lot of those events are going to be large scale events like the typical club fair you would see on a college movie where everyone has a booth and you go around and sign up your email on a bunch of lists to get involved. And so I think if folks are comfortable, if your student's comfortable going to those events and looking at that schedule and finding ones that are also more low-key, smaller scale, where they're going to be able to make those more intimate one-on-one connections. And Even if that first initial activities fair is very overwhelming, they will probably be able to find their group of friends from that. And so, you know, if they're going around signing up on lists of clubs that really interest them, those next meetings with the club will probably be much smaller and they'd be able to meet people more one-on-one after that. So I would just encourage students to look at those and then go to a couple of those first club meetings and then find out which one you really like. Oftentimes students sign up for like 15 new clubs during that very first week and then they're super overwhelmed because, you know, it's impossible to try to be in 15 new clubs while you're starting your, you know, first semester of college. So I think it's okay to sign up for all of those, but then really um, narrow it down to the top two or three that really excite you and then go from there. And I think students are always looking for someone to eat a meal with. And so if they can find, you know, someone on their floor and feel brave enough, have that five seconds of courage to just knock on the door and say, hey, do you wanna go get you know, breakfast, lunch, or dinner with me? That's a good way to make some one-on-one connections, whether it's with your roommate or if you and your roommate don't click, how you can find connections on your floor or in your residence hall. That's a great way. And then also in your class, if someone says something really cool in your class, how can you connect with them either before or after. Oftentimes there's emails or messaging groups within the class on their learning management platform, whether that's Blackboard or Canvas, um, or just going up to people in person. But I know that's a little intimidating to to ask someone um, to hang out in person. So those are a couple of the tips, but I think just persistence is key and not giving up. There might be some 
you know, awkward moments, but I think those are a couple of the things I would share. There's thousands of people on the campus. You can find one person that you like. (laughs) Yes. And I think, you know, I, I got caught up in this a lot. My first semester, I was like, oh my gosh, like I haven't met my new best friend. I thought in college is where you're supposed to meet like your new best friend. (laughs) I haven't met them yet, but I, we kind of joke around that there's the group of people you might meet in the first semester or first year that's kind of like your first friends, but those might not be your forever friends during your college experience. And that's okay. I think, you know, that first year, if you find a group of people to hang out with, do campus events, go to sporting games or eat your meals, that's great. And then it might not be until your second or third year that you really find those close friends um, once you get further into your major or make those deeper connections. So that's important too, is like, don't feel discouraged if you haven't found your your best friend yet um, after the first semester. Yeah, We've, we actually, we have a college kind of close to us about 30 minutes away that, that my brother went to, my husband went to, and I hung out there all the time. I didn't go there, but I pretended uh-huh. like I went there. But there was a campus <laughs> organization there that we hung out with that we made a lot of really good friends with. And we still, like, there's... There's like seven couples of us. We all met our spouses there. We all became really good friends. And we still hang out a couple times a month. That's Um, amazing. (laughs) It's like the 30 years. It's been 30 years we've been together. Wow. So, yeah, if you can find a a group of people that you just click with, then then it can really make a big difference. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. You have any funny stories you can share? (laughs) So many, so many. I think that, you know, one we see, which we've already referenced, is that missing student story where parents are trying to get a hold of their student. So my colleague always shares that during her talk with parents, that during her freshman year, she was out on a date And of course, didn't have her phone on sound because she was, you know, trying to be in the moment in this date. And her mom tried calling and I guess was expecting her to answer at that time, got very concerned and then ended up calling her roommate to try to get a hold of her and then found out she was just on this date, which I don't think she necessarily wanted to to share with her mom at the time. But um, at least then her mom, like you said, knew she wasn't on the side of the road and knew she was in good hands. But um, I always think that's a funny story just to tell, to re-hit that point home with parents about communicating And it's also not a bad idea either to, if your student's roommate is comfortable, kind of depending on maybe like the student and their roommate's um, relationship, that might not be a bad contact to have. Just if that would would give you peace of mind as a parent to have that roommate's phone number, Um, you know, maybe not something you ask on the very first time you meet them, but once you see how your student connects with the roommate, that's not a bad idea to ask either. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right. Anything else you want to add? 
I don't think so. Really just um, to, like you said, continue that open line of communication. And we really want parents and family members to be involved, be that cheerleader on the sidelines for their student. You know, we're rooting for them and we know you're rooting for them. Um, and we hope that this book helps get parents and family members college ready and hopefully it even gives them some things to make sure their students college ready too and I think it would be even you know applicable for the student to read as well right yeah there's lots of good like packing lists and all kind of stuff in there it's a great resource there's lots of conversation starters it helps you ask the questions that you and your students didn't even know you had thank you so much for coming on today Bree thank you so much I really appreciate it Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Don't forget to sign up for the next phase parenting summit. We'll drop a link for the summit and the book college ready in the show notes. Have a great week.